Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Interjections Podcast, subtitled The Undiscovered Decade. We're uh, up to February 1994. We go through the 90s and we look back at films that we think could have been hidden gems. And we added a new feature last month, which I will share with you now. We have a little wheel to have one of the four of us pick who's going to do the synopsis for the movie we chose for February uh, 1994. Yeah. Uh, so let's get right to it. Oh my God, it picked Jimmy again. Oh <laughs> Jimmy yeah. went in January and the whole thing was he was going to be able to uh, not have to go again because you can put in how many times someone's you know, gone. If, if, if I get if I get it again next month, that means I'm just out for the rest He's done of the for year. The year. Well, yeah, you got your work out of your way. Three strikes. It's a strike system. Yeah, but then you don't then you can relax until next year. That's right. So all right, the wheel chose. <laughs> all right, this is my destiny. So this month we're covering uh, I'll do anything. Not that I, I I'm not I'm not gonna do anything, but the movie is I'll do. He anything. would, Jimmy yeah. would. I mean, get out of this. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm clearly not trying to get out of this, buddy. Yeah, yeah. It's like peeling off bandage. Just get it over. Uh, well, uh, so, um, this is a movie about um a young actor who's very close to being like, like, I don't know, get, getting what a uh, and getting his big break. Yeah, getting his big break, but then he doesn't get it. But then he just happens to, you know, get married, have a kid, and then just, like, it kind of falls apart. Something like that. Yeah, well. Yeah, a little bit. So him and the lady get split up, and eventually, like, he has to take care of the kid. And it's, like, you know, the kind of typical uh, hijinks of, like, dad raising daughter, blah, blah, blah. But he's also an actor in Hollywood, so, like the girl becomes you know a child like almost a child prodigy so i don't know it, it feels like it feels like a family film but then i forget there's a big sex scene and like a little bit of nudity so then like not exactly a family film i forgot yeah. about that so you just said it, yeah it feels more like a uh feel good film with a little bit of depth with family film vibes for young adults Especially since, like, this is the generation that, like, you know, it's not entirely uncommon to not have kids, like, or have kids in, like, your mid or early 20s, and then, like, be in your 30s and be like, oh, yeah, not like us. Yeah, so, but with a Hollywood flair. Yeah, with a Hollywood flair. Although you, you so, still get the same, would, like, uh, pretentious Hollywood vibes that you get from today back then. So, like, not much has Yeah, changed. it hasn't changed. Someone constantly waiting for their big break, and then it almost comes, and then life gets in the way, and there's nothing relatable to this movie at all in the current Yeah, day. I feel like this uh, This would be a good not movie a if, like, um, yeah, not if for somebody, any of like, us. really enjoys, um, like, theater and, like, just movies in general, like, cinephiles, like, because, like, you just, like, you just kind of, like, an everyday scenario for just actors yeah this is inside baseball for sure that's actually why a lot of people say this didn't do well because people couldn't relate to it 
I would argue that the stuff with the father and the daughter is how you relate to the movie. And then you just happen to see how it's, like you said, through an actor's eyes. It's taking well, it's Jimmy's, Yeah. Jimmy's description, I think, only talks about like a third of the movie, though. Oh, yeah. yeah because that's true, actually. Yeah, there's, there's a couple a subplots that take over. Um, the Albert Brooks subplot, for instance. Oh, right, right, right. Um, he almost shares as much screen time as Nick Nolte in a way, which I didn't know that going in. I knew about the father-daughter stuff. Mm -hmm, I didn't know about all the Hollywood satire. Mm. Um, so I didn't know about the relationship with Albert Brooks, who plays like almost like a John Milius type uh, producer. He gets his voice down, kind of raspy, drops a few octaves, and um, he's very uh, brusque and um, obstinate. And he's constantly struggling to keep... Uh, his head above water because his job's in jeopardy constantly, which we see a lot with these studio executives now, especially studio heads. Mm, um, yeah. At least he's not burying films. Yeah, that's true. He hadn't actually, in fact, yet. he's he's almost a little too generous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's he's also carrying on a uh, relationship with uh, Julie Kavner from The Simpsons, who we all yeah. know is Marge. Yes, and Selma. Oh, yeah. yeah, she does the sister stuff. Okay. Um, See, I've, I knew I recognized the name from the Simpsons credits. I didn't know who she was until she started talking, and I'm like, "Oh, right." That's, yeah. yeah. And then I, I couldn't, like I couldn't not hear it. But yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I think she's playing like his assistant. Yeah, I couldn't tell at first because wasn't she the woman as they arrive at a screening to uh, get audience reactions? Wasn't she? Yeah, she's basically a, presenting uh, it. I thought she was the presenter, she, not his she assistant. Was, she was but, the yeah. one that was like running the demographic test, yeah, right. she, she, but as yeah, his assistant, I assume. No, no, I think she's a separate. Uh, she works for a separate uh, entity. She was like, okay. and they just, yeah. uh, but like they work close because like what her she's a studio what liaison go, of some she sort. goes through with the data will make or break him because like he's making a film and like he's doing like test screenings and like she's the one that's doing like like gathering the data yeah i her, thought her part was fascinating i yeah. actually so, thought but... their storyline was the strongest oh interesting. For what's supposed to be just like a subplot relationship like work relationship thing they went into a lot of pretty accurate detail about like you know positions that no longer exist these yeah. days in in right. Industry because nobody nobody does test screenings anymore. Not in the Fucking way this show. Yeah, not, not, like not in the way this yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, but um, it was a very interesting. You know, you 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 don't see any, um, you know, glorification of of that particular role in the industry in any other movies. So it was interesting. Yeah, that's why I, I liked her part. Yeah, I think quite a bit. She so, also has an interesting part where she hit her head or something and she can't lie anymore which no, I no, she, uh, she's got like she sodium pentothal some medication for uh yeah. depression and then she had to take another medication for the side effects for the depression and she had to be on another medication for the side effect for that one and then yeah. it snowballed from there and it like caused a weird uh super side effect where she just is just brutally honest and like yeah and she magically liar well, liar herself. She's just bluntly, just flatly honest. Like she's which is a like, very there's James no motive thing. behind her. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I could see Holly Hunter doing this part, like how she was the character in Broadcast News. I was gonna say very strong willed. Yeah, uh, Jack Nicholson is brutally honest and uh, as good as it gets. So. Yeah, yeah, he's like this. Is, is this like the first film where that that, that like uh, that trope starts up? 
where like you have that one like just kind of uh everyday gal that just just tell, tells the guys plainly i would imagine screwball comedies this is Blake, that's what it reminds Blake me of something like, a lot yeah yeah i would imagine something like, like um, you think you'd think of like someone like janine garofalo like that that like that's her typical like one of her typical uh roles well, I was trying to say something that I could see Catherine Hepburn doing this role in the 30s or 40s. Right. That's what I'm thinking. So there's there's been a long line of that sort of thing. I think there's this is the first time it's been medically induced. Yeah. <laughs> so know. the weird thing is, um, production wise, there was this was intended to be a musical. Oh and, my uh, goodness, it wasn't. Really? Oh yes. Yeah. And, um, it was actually <clears throat> they had a bunch of choreographed numbers from like. Twyla Tharp, and uh, there was a bunch of songs from Sinead O'Connor, Prince, and Carol King. Yeah, I have a but list. I have a tab open with all the songs that Prince wrote. He apparently has them buried in his archive. I asked yeah. our our Prince expert friend if he could send some stuff to us that he might have, but he didn't get it to us in time. Um, but there's songs that like you have Julie Kavner singing or. Uh, Nick Nolte singing and the one thing I read about uh, of trivia was that um, Prince came to set and listened to Julie Kavner sing one of the songs and was just stone-faced the whole time and walked off without saying anything to anyone and then slowly the music got pushed away from this <laughs> which is like, weird because Woody Allen would try this again years later with everybody says I love you but uh, it's weird because when I was watching the movie I kept thinking, okay, where would they insert the first song? And I think it's right towards the beginning where uh, he's kind of giving Tracy Ullman the uh, ultimatum about him being an actor as opposed to get him getting married. And he has like this long pregnant pause. I was like, you probably break out in the song right now. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of times in the movies where I'm just like, I think the song will be right here. And that, that would put the button on the scene. It and doesn't happen that often, honestly. I think the way they re-edited it, is seamless that you read, was a musical i read that apparently they just sort of go into song out of the blue so it felt very weird at least in the test screenings for this so that's why it sort of was taken out because none of the songs made like sense with within screenings. yeah um there is one song that remains yeah. in the film when the daughter sings to nick nolte to cheer him up a little bit that's a carol king song that's recorded on her like speak and spell so it still heard and that's Carol King's voice, and she's singing over it, the daughter, Whitney Wright. Feels very uh, Shirley Temple-esque, mm -hmm. that scene. I liked that, though. I I am curious how the music actually sounds. Because maybe it didn't gel together, but maybe it's actually good music separately. Who knows? It's all... But now that you're buried. saying... So it wasn't, um, it wasn't them lip-syncing to songs. They were singing live on set. Hmm. And that's sometimes bad like obviously russell crowe with late miz didn't go over that well sometimes. i can't imagine nick nolte with his very um yeah, yeah his baritone voice sounded very good but i'm just trying to be an actor you'd be the one spoken word part i do uh like nick nolte's performance despite uh He's great. the potential for terrible singing yeah. i think I yeah. think he was very charming. I think his chemistry yeah. with the daughter was fantastic. They also look alike. Like I was telling Jimmy, like they have the same chin. That was great casting. She didn't look anything like Tracy Ullman. No. 
Patricia Hillman isn't in this that much. Yeah, it was that was kind of a shame. Yeah, I thought she yeah, was also a not part. not used to seeing Nick Nolte uh, play roles like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he- heartfelt fatherly roles. Very vulnerable. Oh, you know, heart- heartfelt vulnerable. father fatherly roles in that like you know typical nineties da- dad style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the good. Bar- I'll do anything for my daughter. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Just honestly, they could have made a bad situation. He's yeah, and then I also tend to forget uh, that, like in the seventies or something like that. Like he, he actually got like, not like, sexiest man of the year at mm, some yeah. point. Yeah, let me look which is interesting. How like this the movie like criticizes like how Hollywood's so harsh on people with like a sex appeal that's not up to par with the other sexy actors. Yeah, that's a great scene. It, so. it was very interesting though because the, you know, one of the the relationships. One of the the plot lines is, um, you know, Nick Nolte's character has re- relations with uh, Kathy Breslow, who's in. She's more of the the assistant role, or she's like a script reader, or something, and she's the one who keeps pushing the script for this guy to get cast and all this stuff. And in in you know, post Me Too, all of this stuff, it looks like just a a regular like reverse um industry professional taking advantage of an actor uh uh-huh. because she wants to bang him yeah and it's just they had a charming name for them apparently these uh, script girls d girls so i don't know why uh, it was uh yes you know well they were supposed to be development yeah. girls uh-huh. but just well, because the guy even says that once. He's just like, I'm not a I'm not a D person. I'm a development executive. Like mm-hmm. he just he mm-hmm. throws that around. But um I don't know. I'm not gonna lie, Kathy Breslow's character had gave me like real stalkerish vibes for a majority yeah. of the movie. I was confused about her motivation too. Like she <laughs> right. literally wants to bang him, and then when asked point blank, would you bang him? She's like, nah. I think it plays into the whole like uh how, with the movies like uh going at uh in terms of like uh well one of the aspects like i mentioned with the sex appeal because like she she's like one of the more attractive uh people on, on the cast mm-hmm. uh especially when you compare all the leads there's probably Maybe like the most, one, or, yeah. one or one or two like side characters that kind of like catch your eye but like in terms of like the cast like she's she's probably the one with the highest sex appeal and you look at all the everybody else they look kind of just average so and like they're having like real relationships and then like she's like fawning over nick nolte's character but like she's infatuated with him because like they had like a acting class a long time ago so they're like there's a little uh yeah um history with them but then like as the story goes along you kind of see she's a bit shallow um fair enough and like any qualities that was endearing is slowly chips away um especially like uh the first red flags that i got with like she would have a, a nice like fun conversation with the daughter but then like when the daughter like dragged on a little too long she got real short and loud and angry quick and you Mm. don't see nick nolte's character doing that Mm. ever because like he's trying to be a good father and she's just she's just some lady that wants to screw him Mm so so like you get like little bits there so like when you finally get to uh the tail end of the movie with the uh yeah julie kavner yeah when when she uh like tells her like yeah no he's too good for you like 
That's true. Yeah, like he is doing yeah. it for her because he is a genuinely good guy, and like she, yeah. she's kind of she does it is revealed very slowly and subtly that she actually she's actually kind of a shallow person. That's good. In point. the end, yeah. yeah. I guess I wasn't catching on at the biggest moment where she's kind of being a jerk to him. I I felt like it came yeah. up out of nowhere. Maybe you you were noticing the subtlety more than me. Yeah, and like uh, when when uh, when uh, they're they're talking about his sex appeal with one of the tests that they uh, filmed, like she 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 backed down. Look, so mm-hmm. so like she clearly doesn't have a a backbone. So like uh, yeah, no, that's just my take on her. No, yeah, you could perceive as selfish. Like yeah, he's mm-hmm. sexy, but like not everybody, not to everybody. Like just to. Mm. You know. that's a good because if too. i because if i put in that this dude is like a heartthrob then everybody will be after him and it's true yeah there's there's layers yeah yeah there are this, yeah, this, this is a surprise that this is a surprisingly <laughs> good movie that's why i said like, the beginning of the novel like there's a little depth to this the moral is don't trust anyone in hollywood that's all <laughs> i was gonna yeah. say uh having not known that albert brooks was in a large part of this movie i thought he was great He's oh, hilarious yeah. in the role. It's weird that he got nominated for uh, broadcast news. Is, he got nominated for this. He was like the um, mm. the producer part, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah so yeah. he was the producer of the movie in the beginning. You know, they have Nick Nolte come in to read because no one else will read for this part. And he's just like, you know, he's genuinely trying to get a performance out of him, and you can't tell if he's just like sticking around, like, yeah, yeah, we need busy work. But like, he then genuinely starts to take an interest. Yeah, him. he's and doing I that producer doublespeak. But I, the I funny also... part in that meeting is uh, <laughs> he's talking to him as if he's a director. He's like, and then at the end of his whole speech, he's like, "Well, you got to ask him. He's a director, not me." Yeah, and, which yeah. and the director a cameo is... by Ian McKellen. Yeah, yeah. which he was wasn't incredible. necessarily famous yet. He was still in a lot of yeah. small roles like this. Sure, yeah. but uh, it's just funny to go back and look and be like, "Hey, I was actually I forgot that he was in the movie. He doesn't come back up." No, never again. He, he should have been the up. director or something else. And then uh, when he turned him down, he, he said, "You shall device. not pass." Which is yeah, weird. yeah, weird that he'd say that. <laughs> no, he said, "I shall pass." <laughs> but I, I actually did love the relationship between Albert Brooks and and Nick Nolte in this because it started off as like he was just taking advantage of this guy who was desperate for work, mm-hmm. and like making him drive him around and everything. But then they actually like got to it was it was almost a driving Miss Daisy situation where they actually got close mm-hmm. doing that. I think I think more of a more of a relationship blossomed out of that than the one with with Kathy Breslow. You know, his with Kathy Breslow. <laughs> Honestly, that's the weakest relationship in the movie. I thought the Jolie Richardson one, although yeah. it's not intended to be the strongest. So I think that's the point. Yeah, from I'm, what I'm glad that uh, as Jimmy pointed out, it's left unresolved. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that until we were just discussing it. Like, she yeah. goes after him, and then Nick Nolte chooses his daughter over her, and that's your yeah. closure. He's saying that to yeah. her. I'm going with my daughter. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so if there's ever like a sequel, like she, she has to grow as a person. <laughs> or, you know, I did anything. Um, Although, I think the sequel I probably would be like, I'll a, do anything too. Grew up to be like a Lindsay Lohan type character. Yeah. That's what Jimmy kept getting worried about. He's like, don't ruin this child. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, mean, I it's Hollywood. I, I want to say I really like Whitney Wright. She's maybe one of my favorite uh, child performances I've seen because she had a lot of emotion that she could elevate the scene with. Even like, the screen test at the end, I think she did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she it got to me their relationship. The only big thing she's in is this and sudden death. Yeah, which is pretty close. good too. Have you guys ever yeah. seen it? 
Yeah, it's a good movie. Mm. I talked to you about it, Jimmy. I know you didn't. Yeah, but I, yeah, no, that's right. It's one of the best uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. It's funny because Powers Booth Wait. is in both this and Sudden Death. He has a little cameo in the beginning because in real life he won the Emmy in 1985 or whatever year it starts in. It's so, funny that you said uh, yeah. Inside Baseball because I, how many people would even get the reference of uh, the Kiss of Spider-Woman audition where he's up against Raul Julia? Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's dated. Yeah. Well, especially now. I mean, back yeah. then you would, you might, because that was yeah, because it was happening. fresh. It was right. fresh. But like, the, especially the D girls and the and what Julie Kavner does. That's all stuff people don't know about or need to know about necessarily. It's, it's obviously stuff that. that James L. Brooks is involved in. I wonder how much of this is autobiographical. Like, I don't know oh, his I'm family. Sure. I don't know his relationships. He, he was involved with Taxi and a bunch of shows, sitcoms back in the seventies. So I'm sure he went through like the testing process and all the everything in the Hollywood system. Yeah, and there's probably little stories that came up that he's like, "Ooh, that wouldn't be good on screen." Yeah, so it's probably a real person that's very much like Julie Kavner's character. Does one see it? you? His dialogue's really sparkling and good, but there's one scene with Julie Kavner where I was like, I know she has this truth serum in her, but this scene's come not ringing true. At least the dialogue. Is oh, when they're leaving the life. restaurant. Oh, I love that scene. I thought it was funny. I know it was a little too on the nose. Oh, it was, yeah. it was, no, it was but that's good. good comedy right there. It was a good scene, but it was a little overwritten. I liked the punchline because all the executives are like, yeah, she is right. <laughs> I had that. Yeah. I know yeah, it was a little it's a little fantastical, but I thought it was yeah. It, was, it, was, it fit her character. Actually, I, I think it's like, I think it was a wet, well placed bit of humor. Yeah. Well the same. The yeah. same thing is, he's so well-known for voice acting, but between this and Awakenings, she proves that she's actually a really good live-action actor, too. Yeah, she plays one of the nurses in uh, Robert De Niro's hospital, relates to Robin Williams as they try to break through to him, if you guys haven't seen it. Yeah, this is probably the first time I've seen her on screen, probably since, like, maybe an interview on TV when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wish she'd done more stuff. Obviously, she's made enough money from The Simpsons. For sure. So. Harry Shear has a small cameo. Yeah, that was a good scene too. There's a there's a hair and makeup person that both have cameos. That's Rosie mm-hmm. O'Donnell and Ken Page. Yeah, I, I ended up liking this. I don't know what you guys would grade it as, but I actually might put it as like an A minus. I liked mm-hmm. it quite uh, a bit. I I was gonna get a, a A plus for me. Yeah. All right. Well, no, solid. I might, solid. I might even give it an A. Yeah, I, I really liked solid it. A. I don't know. Like, it's a nice yeah. surprise. I'm gonna give it a B plus. Mm-hmm. It was a bit all over the place. Skew the data. I, it was cute. gonna ruin it in uh, the Midwest. Yeah. Well. Thanks, Albert. <laughs> I'm gonna go with a B. Um, it's uh, it's it's the base definition of. I mean, this as a compliment. It's middle brow. Mm. But um, and it is as Jeff said, it's a little unfocused, and again, it's probably because oh. of the editing. And what what the, was uh, the rating on this movie again? Got to be R. Yeah, if it has to be for the. Uh, the there's literally movie. you see you see nudity. You like see there's, boobies. Yeah, there's sex. Yeah, like when she shows up, like when he walks into her house and she's like walks by naked. I was like, wait, what? Like, and then she even says, "I was hoping you were gonna find me full frontal." Oh yeah, you're right. And then the rest of like this movie red flag, red flag, red flag. Yeah, probably would have done a lot better if it was PG thirteen, or if like if it was like if it was R, like definitely could have used maybe like a couple more f bombs or something. That's PG thirteen. 
Oh, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It was '94. Yeah. PG-13 in '94 is like an R today. Let's say no one would see this. Yeah, if it was an R-rated movie, then like, uh, yeah, no, A minus. I was just gonna say, in terms of James L. Brooks, like slice of life movies, I think it's probably one of the more underrated. But again, I'm not a huge fan of his stuff. I think that's why I liked this because it was underrated because we're doing it for the podcast. So I expected to be bad. Right. And then when it turned out to be pretty good, I think it elevated it for me. And also based on the budget and how poorly it did, this cost 40 million and only made 10. Mm -hmm. I I actually expected this to be a lot, a lot goofier. Uh, I'm glad it wasn't. Yeah. Game got tossed in the dumping ground. That was February. There's always got to be something that ends up surprisingly buried. You know, yeah, a hidden gem. Oh, yeah. If that's you will. why we like yeah. these movies, you unearth this. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we get fool's gold, but you know, this one wasn't. Nick yeah. Nick Nolte in his prime. Yeah, yeah fool's gold. He, he sounds like an old prospector. prospector. Yeah, he should have oh, been yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> what was that Coen Brothers movie with the prospector, played by uh, Tom Waits? Although I do think. Oh yeah, has... the, I remember that. Yeah, I thought that was him been... at first. Yeah, I was mentioning to Tristan. I'm like, it, there, there's has there ever been a movie where Nick Nolte plays Ryan Reynolds's father? Because that's all I kept seeing. I could see it. The whole thing. I'm like, maybe yeah. he's like 87 now, but like, it's just. I was like, oh, this dude looks like old Ryan Reynolds at the time. Or or Deadpool Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, now, wow. It is Nick Nolte's birthday the day this came out, so really happy, happy, oh, happy birthday, birthday. birthday! I also understand he's had some problems. So Nick, oh, you saw his mugshot? <laughs> that came out right out of this. Actually, you were saying the sexiest man alive. That was ninety two. The mugshot was like ninety five. So there's a big window from is, sexiest uh, man alive. Wait, was it ninety two? How the mighty sexiest man alive? Yeah, I looked it up when you uh, brought oh, it so up. So weird. I thought that yeah. was the seventies. Well, it's because the uh, Prince of Tides had come out, so he was a big box oh. office draw, which. Corey was arguing was not the case last episode. It's a, it's he a was. fall from the top. Speaking of uh, being serious, what else came out this one? Oh, well, this movie's not serious since we're going by my ranking. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. This is my favorite movie of the month. Romeo's Bleeding. Hmm. It's actually a neo-noir with uh, Gary Oldman playing a hitman who's who's going after a femme fatale played by uh, Lena Olin. Talk about sex appeal. Hmm. Uh, she is very sexy in the movie. Uh, mm. The movie itself, the tone veers a lot, but I don't really mind it so much because they negotiate very well, especially with Gary Oldman in the role. He's able to play all the notes, so he can play screwball, he can play serious. So is this your favorite of the month, or yeah. the least? That was oh, my so favorite. You're, go- you're going the reverse this time. Well, okay. reverse. All right. We're going to go reverse. Yeah. Because the next movie is, uh, actually, Nick Nolte had another movie came out this month. Also, I, I don't think it did well, but, you know, it's called Blue Chips, and it's actually directed by uh, William Freakin, who just passed away. R.I.P. It's a basketball movie. Nick Nolte plays one of his more traditional roles. He plays a coach on a basketball team. One of the novel things about the movie is uh, the stun casting of Shaquille O'Neal. It was actually surprisingly good. This is before you start doing like stuff like Kazam. So... Uh, he must be better at playing uh, doppelgangers of himself. He literally looks like the uh, well, Nick Nolte does. He literally is dressed and looks like that Bob Knight. Uh, Bobby coach, Knight, yeah. Also just passed away. Which I'm sure 
that's who they based the character on. Yeah, his haircut looks like him. He's throwing chairs like him. That that had just happened in real life. But yeah, it's it's even got that more freaking gritty cinema verite style. It's it's good. One of the best value projects of the '90s came out this month, which was uh, Steven Seagal's On Deadly Ground. I'm trying to is, guess. Based on all of his successes with Warner Brothers, they said, "You know what, Steven? You got free reign to direct the movie. Do whatever you want." Oh, he okay. directed this. Oh yeah, hmm. I'm sure he had something to do with the writing, but it's an environmental uh, thriller. I think it's a guilty pleasure because I think the stunts are well done. Um, it's right before he gets really frumpy, so he hasn't put on all the weight yet. Uh, Michael Caine chooses scenery as the villain. Oh, it's oil tycoon. Hmm. It's got a, it's got a lot of. Uh, that guy casting in the background. So you got Arlie Ermey, hmm. uh, Billy Bob Thornton, and hmm. um, John C. McGinley as the henchman. Hmm. I will say, if you're if you're a connoisseur of uh, Steven Seagal's canon, which I know a lot of us are, uh, check it out. Um, a Disney movie that uh, I think a lot of us grew up with called Blank Check came out this month. And I remember this was like the ultimate wish fulfillment movie for me. I'm like, damn, what would I do if I had a blank check? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. If the, I haven't seen the movie in years. I'd buy all the McDonald's I could get. I don't remember if the movie holds it's up. It's just a crossover with Richie Rich. Yeah, right. Pretty much. It's an interesting premise because Miguel Ferrer, I think, plays a criminal who accidentally hits this kid and mm-hmm. then offers him a blank check as compensation. And the kid just puts like, what a million dollars on the place. Yeah, right. He could have done a lot <laughs> yeah. more. Overdraws uh, his account. I remember it being uh very adorable as a kid. I don't know if it would hold up. Have you seen it more recently? I'm not sure. No, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I've actually well, never seen it. I just remember watching the trailer yeah. on the VHS, like whatever other VHSs I was renting at the time. Hey, yeah, kid. I was like, this looks really fun. And my parents were like, this is a terrible idea for him to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody from In Living Color had their big break this month. And that man is Jim Carrey. Oh. Oh, yeah. Ace Ventura Pet Detective came out and was a huge smash. And this is your least favorite? It just doesn't hold up as well as the other movies that he has that come out this year. This is the beginning of the year of Jim Carrey. Yes. This is his big thing. Well, this makes the the most money of anyone in a year. Like ever. At the time this was coming out, everybody kept predicting this was going to be a huge bomb. Mm-hmm. And the critics savaged it. Cisco and Eber hated it. They said he was one of the worst new stars. They later recanted that and did a whole show dedicated to him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> in retrospect, the movie's decent. He has a few scenes where uh, it's vintage Jim Carrey uh, rubber man. But the the transphobic stuff does does not play nowadays. Oh, so this is the one. Oh right, three. The Finkel Einhorn bit. Yeah, the Finkel Einhorn stuff. Yeah. Okay, I guess I'm in for a treat. Oh, you haven't seen it? Yeah. So this is one the one of the three I never saw. Oh, okay. Because we'll we'll Forget obviously talk about his other two big, big films later in the year as they come out. But this was the big break, and I remember when it came out, everyone was like going crazy, and I'm like. That dumb movie? Everyone wants to see that shit? So I didn't bother with it. My parents didn't want to see it, so I just never got around to it. 
Yeah. And then he got more that. and more famous. And we were all like, the mask looks good. Let's watch that. I, was gonna say, I yeah. didn't see Dumb and Dumber for even was a decade. I was obsessed with the mask. Me too. Yeah, the mask is the best of the three, I think. Though, again, I, I haven't seen Ace Ventura. So maybe I I'll love it, despite its misgivings. Yeah. We'll see. No, we'll no, we'll revisit this. To... I've seen the sequel. Sequel's good. I saw it in theaters. I saw it. Yeah, it was packed. So the worst movie that came out this month, in my opinion, is they did a remake of The Getaway, the right. Steve McQueen classic. Yep. Uh, but instead of it being Steve McQueen and Alan McGraw, it's Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger. And again, just because they're married, their chemistry doesn't translate the screen. They have very explicit sex scenes. The best part of the movie <clears throat> is uh, James Woods as the villain because he taunts uh, Alec Baldwin's manhood. Mm. Because he sleeps with her. Okay. And he keeps keeps rubbing in his face. Mm. Um but yeah, uh this is around the time that Alec Bowman was still trying to be the lead of movies, but he wasn't picking good projects. Yeah, so he's starting to fade. Yeah, he's starting to fade a bit. Yeah. So like uh the shadow was around this time. I think it was was this, this year or next year. I thought it was this year. So yeah, with these movies not doing well, he would start to get relegated more towards supporting roles, which is where I think he excels. Mm-hmm. And him trying to take on the mantle of Steve McQueen is just foolhardy at best from the beginning. Mm. Uh, let's see. Let's get to Jeff's question. So I got two for you this month because uh, I shouldn't have said that already. I should have. I should have <clears throat> prepared you for that. I didn't want to get distracted. Oh, this looks anyway. like some sort of yeehaw kind of movie. Yes, it does. It is. It is clearly. Uh, it, you like it's, this it's a, it, I, I do. <clears throat> it's a rodeo <clears throat> cowboy in in full blur. Mm-hmm. Like this bull is is going to town. Uh, apparently, starts stars Luke Perry, Stephen Baldwin, and Cynthia Geary. Yeah, I was going to make you try to figure story. out who that is. Of Lane Frost, yeah, you no, know I Lane Frost, have. right? I would, I assumed it was a Baldwin, but <laughs> mm-hmm. that would have been wrong. Um, the, I, I don't know Lane Frost. Yeah, good. I'm, I'm, I'm not up and up. Right, on the funny part is, audio I watched industry. this. I watched this in preparation for the podcast. Really, I still didn't know it was based on a true story. Maybe they said that at the beginning, but it went by so fast, I didn't even notice. Mm. Yeah. I'm mm. guessing. Okay, so so the title "Rodeo" is probably too too on the nose. Yeah, so, but it's not much more depth. Buck Actually, and ride. think about what happens in rodeo. Do you know anything about rodeo? Buck and ride. No. Uh, it, I mean, other than they try to stay on the thing. Right. Do try, you know anything about to stay that specifically? On? Uh. Brokeback uh, Mountain. Keep t- breaking backs how long do they have to stay on the bull yeah uh but 30 seconds i don't know, if that's standard. I don't know. Is that standard? 30 second I break i don't know no you it was gonna be tough either way but i just wanted to show you it's a rodeo movie i know yeah. that oh it's not going by is there is there a fun tagline i want to read a fun tagline is it is it breakneck the sport made him a legend his heart made him a hero did this guy like why did they capitalize paralyzed? Like hero? i don't know because he's From the director of Rocky hero. and the Karate Kid. That's true. John Wait, L. Avelson. John G. Avelson. The yeah. guy, I had no idea that the same guy did. Okay. 
Yeah, isn't that cool? Rocky Karate Kid. He's, he's a huge director. I mean, Karate no Kid is basically movie. Rocky for children, but yeah, yeah, um, it's not wrong. But that's why he did a good shot. Right. Uh, okay. This boy made him a legend. His heart made him a hero. So he gets paralyzed and ends up trying to recover and becoming in it. He was. He's. I. I don't know. I'm trying to think. He, he would be like the, the like the, the the Christopher Reeve of rodeos. Oh my God. Uh, uh, cut that I'm not. No, I'm I'm genuinely like not. I think. I mean, like an inspiration wise, not like oh, okay. he got fucked up. Like I'm I'm genuinely like I, I meant that in a positive way. And I'm sorry. Uh, that that not... Okay, Jeez. well, his spine disagrees. I was trying to think of the the cleanest way to get what across what I was saying. So. Um, <clears throat> apologies. But oh, that happens next year. It's May '95 when he gets injured. Mm. That's insensitive, Jeffrey. I apologize. I'm just on American. That's the kind of thing I would have said. Yeah, that's a very Coryism. Anyway, okay. Uh, so then, what <laughs> happens? Ah, oh, eight, eight, eight seconds. Eight seconds. Yeah. It's only eight seconds. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what the timing is. That's what I always thought. I've never seen this. I didn't know that was a standard yet. Or is it like in eight seconds, his life changes? Like, that's what I Why is eight seconds called eight seconds? I'm sure that's the reason. That's how long you got to stay on there. But Yeah. No, it's to stay aboard a bucking bull to score any points in the rodeo. Mm. Oh, Uh, so like eight seconds. He stays on on 16 seconds at the end. as That's not good. Well, here's. Does it end very sadly? Because yeah, he dies. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> See, Spoiler. okay, so I wasn't wrong. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Literally says died in '89. Don't cancel me. I get the back of a bowl. Um, in Cheyenne. But... See, I I think it would be it would be terrible if like you know he's this big this big rodeo guy who makes a living off of like surviving eight seconds at a time and then it dives deeper into his love life. Yeah. Mm. You're making this better. Also, eight seconds at a time. Oh God! Hey, that was a good joke. So he died, and then 34 years later, you got points on a trivial (laughs) podcast for a second. Less. What I'm saying is longer (laughs) back of a bull than he does in his relationships. I'm not going to speak ill of the dead. I I don't know this person, but I'm you know I'm sure he was great. I'm sure he was great at what he did. Why don't you say something bad about Luke Perry? He just died. God, yeah. Did he? I don't know anything about Luke Perry enough to... All right, you got enough points on this one. Did you like the Photoshop? Because I didn't touch it. Yeah, this it looks like that. That's the blur. Best part. It looked like he's... <laughs> nope, didn't touch it at all. That's great. I should have made it less blurry. That would have been funnier. <laughs> right? You just fixed it. This is why we wanted to include this, because it was kind of a joke that it's like already blurred like I've been yeah. doing for these... So this was the real one if that didn't work out well, but that worked out very well. I like this actually seems genius. Okay, so it's white background with a blue and black square with graffiti all over it that literally says movie poster. (laughs) (laughs) Trust relationships, communication, jobs. Hey, that's my bike, love, buzzwords, credit cards, friends, decaf, romance, subliminal message, channel surfing. Um... I have absolutely no idea what this could be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, from this, what would you 
say it's a some, plot is. It's I'll some give you sort more. of like punk underground romantic, like we're all cynics. Let's get together. Wow, he's pretty much movie. Got it. <laughs> yeah, you got it. It's basically <laughs> the plot of the movie. Okay. Guessing the director is going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, Jim Jarmusch. I don't. No, they're going to come up as one of the actors, so that's your hint. Okay. It's their directorial debut. Okay. Is it Ben Stiller? What? Do you know this How'd movie? I know that. Wait, what? No, that was just a guess. Yeah, How no, you that's know that. Really? Because we talked about this a couple. We talked about this on the last one. Did I we? Think. Oh, we talked about singles. Or no, who was I talking to? I don't know. I was having a recent conversation about how I like Ben Stiller as a director. So well, because he's been doing Severance recently. So Severance. Well, he also did Tropic Thunder. Right, and that's come up because Robert Downey Jr. is probably going to win an Oscar. So right. I guess like that's been in the zeitgeist <clears throat> again. Uh, yeah, he's actually a really good director. Okay. He is so a good then, director. So then, okay. So yeah, so... then you obviously know that he's in here. Yeah. Um, so what do I do now? Oh, I give you the uh so the title's gonna come up. Do not look at the credits. I forgot to edit that out. But I'm not looking at the credits. Um right above it is the catchphrase. So <clears throat> try not to look right below it. A comedy about love in the nineties. Did had rent come out yet? Because I feel like this would just be a parody of rent. <laughs> Two thousand five. But yes, the play had. No, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is around when I believe rent was out. I think ninety two, but it's just a send-up of Rent. Uh, is it called Grunge? It is a little grungy. I one think of... the one character is actually a grunge singer or musician. Mm-hmm. Is it Teen Spirit? You can see that there's a bit I of think... the blue missing, right? Is it a is the title like a pun? No. Yeah, the blue is missing because I imagine that's where the actors are because you yes. photoshopped so them. So Ben Stiller is going to be one of them, but can you guess what the <clears throat> other two actors are? No, Absolutely sort of not. It. Okay. To say one would not be the other, unless one of them is a Wilson. That was before he was collaborating with Owen. Ah, yeah. Is it some sort of like vampire bullshit? No, you had had pretty much gotten it. There's not much else to the plot. So I think the next thing is to guess who they are. And you already got Ben Stiller, so I'm honestly impressed enough. John Cusack, maybe. You know what's funny is uh, Jimmy brought up one of the supporting actors in the movie already. Who? Oh, Janine Garofalo, yeah. Stephen Stephen Dorff in this. No. Yeah, you want to guess? I'm trying to think of who else would have been. Who else else would have been in Mystery Men? I'm trying to think. Yeah, but you didn't collaborate with them again. Guess one more actor and one more actress, and then I'll just give them to you. Okay, Paul Rubens. Who would be popular around the 90s that has never done anything else but this movie with him? Yeah. I don't know, because early 90s, I'm trying to. Because that's that's the problem is you're you're trying trying to make me guess an actress that never got like popular past this movie. No, they got popular. Oh, Corey, we were talking about her before this. uh... Cameron Diaz, no, because she was the mask. Was her debut? Um, Sandra Bullock. Good guess. They actually got a big sequel coming out this year. You want to try one more actor? It means nothing to me. Uh, One more actor. Josh Hartnett. Not too young. Too young. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is good. So good like guess because he kind of looks like him, but ah, uh, uh, oh, wait, is that Winona Ryder? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Winona Ryder and Ethan Hawke. Yes. Okay. 
So it's one of the would first never movies, uh, would never have pictured when... the three of them together in the same movie. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, that's the point. He's kind of a yuppie Ben Stiller, and Ethan Hawke is kind of grungy. And Winona Ryder yes. has to choose between both of them. Well, she wants to fight the man. So the man mm-hmm. played by John Mahoney. Yeah, because she thinks that she wants to be like a bohemian. But she has to choose between safety in the financial world or yeah. fun. So it's literally rent. I, you know what's funny? I think basically Roger Garoppolo, and he's basically uh, the other one. Dean Garoppolo goes to get tested for AIDS. He's Benny. Yeah. Uh, Steve Zahn is gay as well. This is one of the first films that actually talks about uh, being gay. Yeah. At least as fully as they do in this. So as openly. Um, but they're all sort of friends, and obviously there's this love triangle at the center. It's actually a good movie. Yeah, I like it. This is one of the first yeah. things I watched with Rebecca when we started dating, because this was one of her favorite films, and somehow, as a huge Winona Ryder fan, I'd never seen it. I'll have to look into that then. Yeah, it it was worth it. It's it's a fantastic film. Two guys, a girl, in a bad situation. Yeah. Yeah, what would you call this that. since you don't remember the name? It's literally what I would call it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Unwieldy title. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, <clears throat> those don't those don't happen until it's just just name it after a Panic of the Disco song. Like Fall Out Boy. Bringing <laughs> yeah. up Bridget. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Okay, I'm gonna put yeah, you remember. <laughs> okay. So this is um just in case you couldn't tell who they were. <laughs> hey, then hey, I, Winona Ryder looks way different below that credit. Reality Bites. I've heard of that one. Yeah, good. I thought it was a vampire movie, though. That's what threw me. Is that why you guess? Uh, I think I think it is. Okay. <laughs> Plus the blue tint has. I think this movie wise. would. This is probably a great movie. It would be better if they were vampires, especially. Look at that font. That font is yeah. clearly like. Like the red fangs. Yeah. Yeah, the red fang. Like it's waiting for him. They're they're yeah. baiting you into thinking it's a vampire comedy. Actually, yeah. That'd be kind of cool. I Tell me I'm wrong. No, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, how did Reality Bites do? I think it's pretty okay. popular. It obviously did well enough that he could direct the cable guy. Really right. Cool. Which is like his blank check to do whatever he wants. Oh, that's what it was. I remember that he, I found out that he directed the cable guy. That's what... You know, oh, that. that's funny. <laughs> Probably one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies. Well, because I was reading about, no, it was one of those listicles about like creepy <laughs> protagonists and popular oh, yeah. 90s movies. Yeah, yeah. And then and like, that's director. That's Jim Carrey's follow up to the best year of his life. It's a good movie. I like Reality Bites a lot. Uh, we decided before the podcast that we we're going to cover for picks of the month the star of our feature film, Nick Nolte, uh, and pick our suggestion for you all. Uh, what other movies you could watch? I'll start since I had to do the synopsis. Yeah, sure. over the hedge. See, I knew that's what I, I knew. That was yeah. one of I knew one of the two was going to yeah. pick that. Yeah, yeah, over the hedge. Wait, which yeah. one? Did you pick I over said the over the hedge, boy. Come on, pay okay. attention. Okay. Okay. Oh, did you not pick over the hedge, Jeff? I did not. Oh, Ooh, I got you, Corey. Exactly. That's why I, I thought you were going to pick that one too. Hulk. Of course. Okay, yeah. that's fine. I like I like Ang Lee's Hulk. Replace Bruce Banner's father. Jeff and I saw. You want to watch me go? You watch me go. Where we place the cable? Yeah. Jeff, Jeff and I were uh, good friends by then, so we saw that in theaters together. I, I was a very big fan of And that's where I that learned movie. that long ways would not movie. be kind to your bladder. <laughs> yeah. Is that movie that long? 
Well, I remember both of both of us seeing that in Pirates of the Caribbean that summer, and both of us really happened to go like Pirates. an hour in. Yeah, yeah, they were rough on yeah. us. Yeah, but um, my choice is Cape Fear. I think I like that. I like Cape Fear a lot. Why did you think I didn't like it? Oh, because I feel like when we watched it, you didn't care for it so much. I watched it on my own. I borrowed it from you. Okay, that's what... It took me forever to get to it. That's what I think you're thinking. Because I was never in the mood. I think it's a little campy. It felt you're like never to, in the mood. I had to... <laughs> Let's talk about this later. Now we're back to stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like I just was never interested in watching it because it felt like homework because it was like one of the few Scorsese films I had never gotten to. Yeah, but then it was a surprise that Nick Nolte is actually pretty good because all I'd heard was like how great Robert Downey or Robert De Niro is in uh, Cape Fear. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I was I had a backup in case someone else picked Cape Fear, but I don't know if you're going to pick this other one. Um, weird because I want to go with two of them, but I'm like, sure, yeah, I have a backup. Like we can mention other okay. things he's done. Uh, we're gonna cover is, him. Is Best acting to me is Affliction, mm, mm, which mm. is a Paul Schrader movie. And talking about great casting, uh, James Coburn plays his alcoholic dad. Yeah, see, there you go. Affliction, it's great casting. Yeah. But if I had to go with the movie I've seen the most, that is the movie I like the most. Uh, it's Forty Eight Hours. Mm-hmm, of course. Him and, yeah. Him and Eddie Murphy have great chemistry. He got a uh, an Oscar nomination for Affliction. Yeah, Coburn got nominated, I think, too, right? I think he won. That's, okay, Coburn's, that that's Coburn's Oscar, I believe. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, he also got a nomination for Prince of Tides, <laughs> which we know is pretty big. Uh, the other choice I had was Hotel Rwanda. Like in a movie where Don Cheadle oh, is a shot. Oh, yeah, that is a good movie. He has a decent role as the, is he a photographer that comes Well, through? no, UN General. No, he's is the UN General. Okay, I don't know. He's UN General. Joaquin like, Phoenix UN plays the photographer. Oh, okay, I mixed up what their parts uh, were. Thank you. Yeah. Then uh, Red Line, yeah, he's great, too. So. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. No, Nick Nolte is probably the only white man that could pull that line off. Mm. Oh, the end. Yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. I'm yeah. remembering it now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, oh, he's... Uh, in, ter- in terms of, like, soldier roles, he's also really good in, in uh, Thin Red Line. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, that would that would that My favorite be my Terrence Malick movie. Mm-hmm. I went with Over the Hedge. Speaking of uh, Thin Red Line, speaking of Thin Red Line, that's the year he's nominated for Affliction. He loses to Roberto Benigni. He's also nominated against Ian McKellen for Gods and Monsters. Yeah, those are all good choices. He's had a good career, I think, honestly. Yeah. Um, Not great personal life. (laughs) What are you talking about? Martin Short's got a great story about He does love salt. Because that's what he's, uh, he could play a salty fella. You're not going to tell a story. Uh, no, I'll tell a story. I couldn't find it. I tried to find it on YouTube. Uh, yeah, they took it off. Oh. Um, <clears throat> Martin Short did a, a remake of a French film called Three Fugitives with uh, Nick Nolte. And he was told beforehand okay. they were going to have a dinner before they started shooting that uh, you got to be careful about around Nick Nolte because he's on the wagon right now. So they go out and uh, they're going around the table asking for drink orders. And uh, Nick Nolte goes, Jack Daniels. And Martin Short's looking around like, is this okay? I don't know about this. So he said by the next hour, 
McNulty was drunkenly leaning over people going, you ever salt your food? I like to salt my food. You ever walk into a room with a guy? Fuck it. <laughs> Literally the, the most the uncomfortable words dinner you ever went to. <laughs> so Corey and I are often just like, out of the blue, we'll be like, do you salt your food to each other? And then he's doing that for the time. The punchline at the end other. Martin yeah. Short was just like, well, this is going to be an interesting two-month shoot. Yep. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> I read something looking this up that apparently it, he does think fondly of Three Fugitives, even if it didn't do that well. Sure. The movie's yeah. not good. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, this was good. This is fine. This Very episode good. was good. And Nick Nolte was pretty good in it. So, <laughs> uh, I have no idea what we're doing next month. I did not look it up. Do you remember? Let's spin yeah, the wheel. We're actually we're actually talking about one of Tristan's favorite uh, Nicolas Cage films. Oh, that's this month already. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is my introduction to Nicolas Cage. Crazy. Yeah. Um, he plays a Secret Service agent who's uh, thrust into detail for a former first lady, and he's like, "Oh God, I'm basically in Siberia." But what he <laughs> finds means more to him than he'll ever know. Finds love along the uh, way. Yeah, it's great. It's a fantastic film. Before he stole the Declaration of Independence, he stole our hearts. This was all subterfuge so he could get in there. Yeah, it's actually yeah. This is a <laughs> plot. This is the long con. It's the long yeah, yeah. The, long, yeah. the long con air. Uh huh. Oh. Uh, yeah. So I'm very excited about talking. Well, that's about a little this. bit. I don't know that you'll like this, but because this is plenty cheesy, but. Um, <clears throat> This kind of film is what epitomizes the 90s to me. So we'll see. We'll see how you guys like it. Anyway, you all have a good rest of your month. Hope you enjoy the extra day we're about to go. day. Uh, no, it's a movie about a guy who uh, died from a hamburger overdose. <laughs>